This is an ABC podcast. Babies. They're exciting, especially before they arrive. But then you realise it's not all fun and games and you decide to be a great parent. But you have no idea how to do that, so you just buy heaps of stuff. For small creatures who do nothing but consume milk and then poo that milk, babies cost a lot. It's absolutely a driving force to feel the need for some level of control of this unknown circumstance that you're about to throw yourself into. That's Jess. She had her first child just over 10 months ago, a little boy named Akiva. For me, finding comfort in the things that you are told either by kind of the forces of marketing, (laughs) the kind of bombardment that you get on your phone the second that the social media sites understand that you are pregnant and you're getting served all of these quote-unquote solutions to your future problems. I don't know if you know this, uh, but I'm a dad of a newborn. And before our daughter came along, we were out pram shopping at this very reputable pram shop. You might have heard of it. I won't name the name. Anyway, we were there looking at this pram. We spoke to the woman that worked there. We said, what do you think of this pram? She said, this pram, it's fine. I mean, it's safe. It'll get your baby from A to B. It's got a cup holder. And uh, look, it meets all the safety standards. I said, fantastic. We'll take it. She said, well, hang on a second. How about this pram? And she pointed out a pram that was $400 more expensive. I said, that's $400 more expensive. What's the difference? She said, what's the difference? I mean, look at this frame. It's titanium for starters. It's a little shinier. The seatbelt has some extra cushioning. And these wheels, I mean, look at them. They're way more shock absorbent. So your baby will have a smoother ride. So which one's it going to be? I was like, which one's it going to be? And I was thinking to myself, you're not going to fleece me out of $400? Just for a shinier frame, a little extra cushioning around the seatbelt and some wheels that apparently are more shock absorbent. I'm not stupid enough to pay a $400 more for some minor differences in a pram. Tens that I am. That's stupid. I ended up buying the more expensive one. My baby deserves the best. I'm Nazima Sain and this is The Pineapple Project. When you're having a baby, there's really no limit to the amount of stuff that you can buy. It feels like the more stuff you buy, the better the baby, and most importantly, the better the parent you are. Jess spent heavily. I, I mean, I want to say easily 15000 I think. Ka-ching! But it was all about one thing. Like Scar in The Lion King, but quite a bit less malicious, Jess wanted to be prepared. <clears throat> I can't even tell you how many different types of wrap, bag, swaddle, sleep suit. We definitely got a lot of the docker tots and the cocooner babies and even the stokey trip trap, a lot of places to just put uh, the baby down. Ah, putting the baby down. The thing you do one second before you pick the screaming thing back up again. (laughs) Moving into parenthood, expecting a baby is such a powerful and yet vulnerable time of life. And it makes me really sad and really cross that into this space come retailers to take commercial advantage. My name is Pamela Douglas. I'm a GP who's been working with parents and babies, mums and bubs, since 1987. 
And Dr. Pam is an expert in all the things you wish you knew, like how much stuff costs, which is something I wish I knew before this baby came along. Because, turns out, I've spent a lot of cash. If you're wondering how much it costs to have a baby, here's a sample budget I've found from the internet. Car seat, $1,000. Toys and books, $1,000. Clothes, which they very Trust me, you don't want to hear this list. It adds up to over $5,000. It doesn't necessarily even get you through their first year of life. And the baby industry knows how little we know, which is how they see us coming from a mile away. They smell those dollars. But there's something we're going to want so badly once the baby arrives that we will pay anything to get it. Know what I'm talking about? Sleep. I mean, severe sleep deprivation is just, it's terrible. And parents naturally cast around looking for solutions. In fact, I would propose that there are things that we can do to deal with that truly excessive night waking that so many, too many families endure. But the solutions don't lie in sleep aids that you'll often hear people talk about. And like we've heard from Jess, there are heaps of expensive things that we can buy that promise to get our babies to sleep. But there's one product that is definitely not like the others. You might form the opinion based on what's happening out there in the retail space that a snoo is going to be really helpful in terms of dealing with your bubby's sleep. Yep, you heard right. Snoo. Snoo. Nope, I hadn't heard of him either. But given I've just looked it up, let me pitch to you what a snoo is. Imagine you're not getting enough sleep with your new baby. So naturally you decide to engage the services of a robot to help. The robot, which looks deceptively benevolent, listens to your baby crying and the robot then somehow gets your baby back to sleep. It's got some crazy algorithm that's probably written by some very well-paid teenager in Silicon Valley who probably doesn't look too much older than an actual baby. And this is the crazy thing. The robot figures out how to rock your specific baby to sleep. It works out what sounds your baby likes to go to sleep to. And the weirdest part of it all... It cuddles your baby in this kind of straitjacket-looking thing the way that you would as a parent, and your baby falls asleep and probably starts to love this thing. Basically, this machine renders the human version of a parent obsolete. Putting all that aside, it does have a cutesy name, Snoo. So we bought the Snoo, um, which was, you know, the grand promise of a bed that can settle your baby, kind of responsive technology that would allow us to essentially get more sleep. Even Kate and I had talked about it and Kate said, I felt like that, yeah. And that's Jess's sister, Kate. If you can have something that's going to give you a glimmer of hope instead of hours and hours of rocking my firstborn in his stroller or finding, you know, options to keep him moving so this sort of sense of being in the womb still continues and you can get any sense of extra sleep. (laughs) You have to mention the fact that the snoo, before you had a Kiva, looked like it was going to be the biggest lifesaver and I was so jealous of Jess buying this snoo. We spent so many hours rocking, so many hours rocking Tully to sleep and, and the snoo does it for you. But Jess did buy it and then you need to talk about whether it actually worked or not. That's the great irony of everything that I'm saying. (laughs) Absolutely nothing worked. (laughs) Look, in my experience, parents are tending to purchase more, you know, objects, more stuff before that little person arises just because 
We're all wanting to do the absolute best by the baby, aren't we? And this is where the marketers have us buy the reproductive organs. If we don't buy our own baby the best stuff we can possibly afford, what kind of monsters are we? On the other hand, maybe one way to save some cash would be to defeat the marketing machine. I mean, is that even possible? And given knowledge is power, I asked advertising guru Karen Ferry for the lowdown. You know, it's not just now being like, you need to make sure you buy all the safety equipment. Now it's like, is your baby artfully curated? Um, which is just this whole other absurd thing of being like, but does its wardrobe match a colour palette? Mm. It's another level of guilt. So not only do you feel you have the guilt of like making sure that you buy the right safety equipment, making sure that you kind of spent as much money as you possibly can on something because then you've bought the best thing, right? Yeah. Is it Instagrammable? Yeah, is it Instagrammable? And if I take photos and post them on my accounts... How will I be judged as a parent wow. for what that looks like? And also, how does this baby fit in with my general aesthetic? The craziest bit is babies can't really see much colour. So a lot of the, <laughs> they can see uh, the aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, they can see shapes and then they can see like red and green. Um, they but don't even like, know they're a separate person until they're nine months. No, and they're suddenly just like, oh, wait. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> and also, most women now, when they're breastfeeding, have nothing to do but look at their phones. Mm. So they're falling into that trap of like reading a lot, looking at a lot of social media. All those little things are like piling on them. And, you know, like I think most women breastfeed for probably about four hours a day. So that's four hours of scrolling uninterrupted and, yeah, yeah. scrolling and not sleeping. Yeah, I mean, how do we avoid falling into these traps then as new parents? I would say the worst bit is actually social media, following social media accounts, looking at too many blogs, Googling too much. It's funny, like, I think most things that we worry about will resolve themselves yeah. within yeah. 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. um, but there's that sort of fear of stuff. And it's hilarious when you meet like when I speak to my friends who are parents who've had two or three kids and that crazy new parent guilt and shame that you have just disappears by like child number three. Um, (laughs) You know, the aesthetic is thrown out the window. I think it's just sort of going a bit more colonial with it. So like being like, if you went back a hundred years, how would you take care of a child? And Mm. I don't mean like locking in a room (laughs) or walking away. I mean, just more like actually just engaging with them rather than being like, oh, I should be looking at my phone. I should be watching Netflix. I should be thinking about how I'm dressing my kid. Just chill out a bit. Yeah, just sort of be like, you know, it's not important. The most important thing is, is the kid... Healthy and alive and happy. Alive, happy, healthy, yep. And yeah, I really do want my kid to be happy and healthy. But I also like to buy stuff to make damn sure of it. I blame that weird chemical smell that somehow emits from shiny packaging. And the bubble wrap. It's just too much fun. I'm very respectful of parents' choice to buy new items in preparation for the arrival of their baby. There can be a real, almost like a ritual joy in that, the preparation, the creating of space in anticipation of of joy and love. And of course, that's more likely to be the case with the first child too, isn't it? But I, I would also invite parents to kind of be mindful of the claims around the way certain items will help your baby's development or help make life easier with baby, help make sleep easier. These are things to look a little bit more closely at. And often you'll find in the way they're being marketed, they're being informed by claims around being evidence-based or, um, you know, claims that it will make life easier, which if we look really closely, simply doesn't stack up. And unfortunately, some of these things can actually even make life harder 
with your bubby. The baby industry pushes new parents into buying new stuff. So there is so much of everything around. Jess's sister Kate didn't just resist the new purchase pressures, she took those pressures and became their boss. She put them on the payroll and didn't give them any shifts. But seriously, Kate can school anyone on how to bring up a baby on a budget. Her sister spent thousands. Kate saved thousands. I never felt pressured to buy new items for any of my three children. And I think that's because I personally have really strong values about buying secondhand first. When I bought secondhand stuff off parents that have been through the whole process, it was so great for them to be able to say, oh, we loved this pram so much and we love this cot so much. You know, it's so nice that it's going to another home. But, you know, you can be even more of a canny consumer and look a little bit more on um, Facebook Marketplace, on Gumtree, garage sales, also the side of the road. So my parents live in a pretty affluent area and their council cleanup campaigns we got a lot of stuff for our children and we continue to do that. So toys and books, you know, things that there's no issue with getting them off the side of the road because, they're, you know, a second-hand book is not going to cause any potential concerns for safety. Yes, Kate, testify. There's nothing wrong with second-hand stuff for your kid, especially stuff like toys and books. I was actually reading a book we got from the op shop with my kid the other day and a previous owner had even drawn outrageous moustaches on all the characters. Way to build on a good thing. It's interesting to think about how much money we did save. The pram that we bought secondhand, I think, to buy it new, they're about three to $4,000 and we paid about $500, which still was quite a lot for a secondhand item, but that then lasted us for all three of our children. We definitely saved thousands of dollars off all of those big ticket items, so cots and prams and bassinets, clothes as well. So we got heaps and heaps of hand-me-downs from our friends and family and I would shop at markets and op shops as well to get really cute secondhand stuff. And, you know, that sort of gave me that, that feeling of it's exciting buying clothes for a baby the first time you have one and you can really get that buzz of buying cute little baby clothes secondhand as well. I'm feeling pretty confident I know how to raise a baby without spending heaps of cash on products I might not necessarily need. But is there a way to raise a baby frugally whilst also thinking about the planet? Luckily, there's a person who can speak to just that. Hi, my name's Veronica Milsom. I'm the host of Zero Waste Baby, a podcast that I made uh, when I had a newborn. And I was crazy, frankly. And it was a wild adventure where I tried to use only recyclables and reusables with my newborn baby. It wasn't my goal to be frugal, although I naturally am. But it was pretty difficult to do both, actually, because you can't really spend no money and try to be eco. Like, you have to outlay quite a bit of cash in the beginning in order to use reusables. For example, if you want to ditch baby wipes and use instead, like, um, flannel cloth, 
then you've either got to like rip up an old flannel shirt you have. Sure, you can do that. That'll cost you no money. It's a bit weird though. Or you can get little flannel squares and there's an outlay that you'll have to spend initially to do that. Or like even renting reusable nappies is quite expensive. It's like $60 for three weeks or whatever for 14 nappies. Things like that are quite expensive initially as opposed to just buying disposables. So so if you or your partner were either farm workers or fans of Nirvana, you'd be set flannelette-wise. Initially, I really did just um, rip up some flannel shirts um, of my partner's. Some ones that I'd already hidden down the back of the washing machine because I hated them anyway. Um, so he didn't know that they were missing, uh, which was great news. And then he was like, how come we're wiping my kid's ass with my old shirts I haven't seen in five years? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just happened. But the one way that you can be really frugal and eco is to use no nappies at all, which is this one technique that I tried for a while, which is called elimination communication, which is basically where you um, potty train your baby from like five days old. You, with like a series of clicks and whistles, like um, signals that become cues for your baby to wee like over a sink or over a Tupperware container or over a potty. It's really, it's basically like if you imagine training a dog, that's what you do to a newborn baby uh, in order to be able to completely avoid nappies altogether. And that is the most frugal eco version possible. But Veronica's knowledge of parenting is bigger than a few quirky eco-tips. Because it just so happens that I am one of the greatest tight asses in the world and I took that into motherhood. So basically I think Facebook Marketplace is so good for any second-hand furniture for babies. Like, people only use a bassinet for six months or something. So don't go out and buy any of that stuff new. It's just crazy. So much of it exists. Anywhere that you can buy furniture second-hand, do it there. Make your own purees. The things in squeezy packs just end up becoming so expensive. And if you are so obsessed with the squeezy packs, you can get reusable versions of those. The next one is food-related also. Breastfeeding is the most frugal method of feeding. It means that you don't have to buy it. It just comes from within. Obviously, not everyone can breastfeed, so um, it's not an option for everybody. Some babies are really crap at it. Um, And sometimes you just have a wild nipple that just won't do it for you. But, yeah, powdered milk is ridiculously expensive and also it expires really quickly. Finally, I reckon my hottest tip is just don't buy a change table. Certainly don't buy, like, reusable change mats. They are such a waste of time. I think your house is a change table. Just change them anywhere. Honestly, it doesn't matter. And you really would have to be so uncoordinated to be getting poo everywhere all the time. I mean, I've never had a boy, actually, so I don't know about how wild things get on the change table. But with girls... I certainly was just able to do it absolutely anywhere. On the bed, on the floor, on the couch. My house is a change table. On average, a brand spanking new baby will see you spend a cool $8,000 by their first birthday. More if you keep Googling baby must-have lists. So here are some top tips to avoid that Bubba Bill shock. Buy secondhand or pre-loved baby stuff. Make sure you peruse the aisles of Gumtree, Marketplace, op shops or garage sales. 
And if you want to get real thrifty, you can even pick up a couple of toys and books off the side of the road. Ask your family and friends for hand-me-downs. Maybe you can borrow something off someone who had a baby recently, and you can always pass the kindness on. Buy only what you need. Before you hit purchase, make sure you're buying the product for your baby and not for your Instagram. Just remember, being a better parent doesn't mean buying more things. The things don't make the parent. Love does. All right, I'm going to let you go and change your nappy because that's the end of the episode. Thank you for listening to The Pineapple Project. And if you like this episode, make sure you go and listen to the other episodes in this season and the one prior and the one prior to that and the one prior to that. Listen, we've got a lot of episodes and I think you'll like them. That's it from me. You can hit me up on Instagram, at Nazim Hussain, or on Facebook, Twitter, all the rest. Until next time. Sorry about that. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app. Hello, Maggie Dent here from Parental As Anything. I don't know if there's ever been a tougher time to be a parent. Seriously. So I want to answer your big worries and your big questions and hopefully relieve you of that niggling self-doubt that plagues pretty much every parent on the planet. In Parental As Anything, you'll get super practical and useful tips and advice about everything from bedwetting and fighting siblings to how to bring up teenagers and stay sane. And also, we're all about parents giving themselves a break. Make sure you put your phone down when the children are present. Well, I can only parent because I've got my phone because it enables me to send the sneaky work email or all that idea that you're supposed to be present and in the moment and creating special memories. Well, I want to create dinner before I've got to take the kids to football. That would be a creation I'd be proud of. (laughs) You can find Parental as Anything with me, Maggie Dent, in the ABC Listen app and wherever you get your podcasts.